and welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. My name is John Pronich, and I am your host. And on this episode, I'm joined by Sasha Vandermost. Sasha's life story has some interesting twists and turns, but with a little bit of random luck, he's been able to forge a career for himself in soccer here in the United States. And when I say luck, I mean it. And Sasha will explain that during the interview. But I don't want to downplay the amount of hard work that Sasha has put in, because he has absolutely paid his dues. Now, some of the highlights from this episode include insights from an international youth scout, personality, and how most special players seem to have it. Sasha talks about his decision to hire Brian Clyburn at Chivas USA. And I asked Sasha who he wants to see win a World Cup, Holland, the United States, or Mexico. And after you listen for a little bit, you'll understand that question a little bit more. Time. Now, Sasha is a good friend of 343, and I'm honestly surprised I haven't brought him on the podcast sooner. But maybe the wait was worth it, because this interview is loaded with plenty of gold nuggets for you, whether you're a coach, a player, a parent, or just a fan. And just a reminder, this episode, and all of our episodes, are brought to you by 343coaching.com. That is where you can learn our possession-based soccer methodology. The same methodology that you'll hear about when Sasha describes what it was like when he hired Brian to come on at Chibus USA. On 343coaching.com, you get access to videos, audio, ebooks, and networking opportunities with other like-minded coaches from around the globe. It's a comprehensive program that is aimed at reducing your trial and error cycle and giving you the education that you want. Now check it out at 343coaching.com. That's the numbers 3, 4, and 3, coaching, all spelled out, dot com. Okay, enjoy this episode of the podcast with Sasha Vandermost. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Today's guest is Sasha Vandermost. And, and Sasha, you have to help me pronounce the, the rest of your name because I always say just Sasha Vandermost and, and whenever you take the microphone from me, you always you always complete your name. So uh, <laughs> well, welcome to the show and and, uh, and and yeah, what's what's the full name? Uh, well, first, uh, thanks for having me, John. I'm, uh, I'm happy to, uh, to be here. Um, my full name is Sasha van der Most van Spijk, um, and it's uh, doing camps back in the days in uh, in Northern California. They made a contest out of it who could pronounce the name the best. So you're not the only one who's uh, who's, who's who's impressed at first when you see the name, but uh, it's not. Uh, it's, it's it's just it says what it says from the most fun spike. <laughs> All right, um, and, and yeah, like I said, right now there's there's been a couple of times where I've had to hand off the microphone to Sasha. Sasha and I have have worked together a couple of times now. Um, we were introduced to each other via um, Gary Kleiben at three four three. Sasha came out and he he presented at the three four three coaching summit in two thousand sixteen that was in Las Vegas, and then that turned into uh, Sasha and, and Gary coming up with a couple more ideas, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, and then that, that spawned into, um, us hosting an event together in downtown LA in January, 2017, which we called the clubhouse. And, uh, that was during the NSCAA convention. And that was my second time getting to introduce Sasha. It was awesome. Um, but Formerly, Sasha, this is this is what I know about you, and hopefully we learn a little bit more about you today too. But so, formerly, Sasha has worked as the academy director at Chivas USA. Uh, he was the one responsible for hiring Brian Clyburn, which a lot of you guys are probably familiar with. Uh, Sasha is now uh, running his own company called Homefield Advantage, as well as 
uh, working with the Mexican Federation as a scout. And I'm sure Sasha has other side projects that he's doing as, uh, as well as being a husband and a father and, and, uh, and a bunch of other stuff in life. So did, did I leave anything out, Sasha? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually a decent, decent introduction. Um, you, you didn't leave, uh, leave anything out. Um, just, uh, uh, no, you're, you're, you're right on track. So continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess where we can start and, and I want to lead off with this and, and I'm, I'm sure this will, this will take us in, into a couple different directions, but I, I, I do want to talk about your experiences as a young player growing up in Holland. Um, but I was reading on your website a little bit ago as, as, as I was preparing for the interview and I pulled this quote, um, from you, you wrote like an excellent recap of your of a recent trip to Europe, and and you discussed the differences between U.S. and and the Dutch youth soccer systems, and you focused a lot on the cost and the sense of community and the differences between those. And you said, "quote uh, Compare this experience to a nine year old uh, U.S. player for a ten month season in the Netherlands. You pay twelve times less in contribution per year, while the services, social connections, and overall experience." cannot be compared end quote so that was eye-opening when i read that and and i have a feeling this is something that you've known for a while and maybe something that you're working to uh to fix here in the united states but i think let's start with your experiences as a young player growing up in the in the dutch system so what were, what were some of your first memories of of soccer as a as a kid well, I, I first started playing uh, in the park with uh, with friends uh, and mainly with uh, you know that you know, first first hitting the ball against the wall and then starting playing uh, in the in the park, which was right around the corner, and being picked up by uh, by the older older boys from the neighborhoods that uh, that wanted to go uh, wanted me me to be part of uh, of the games that they played, just just pick up games. Um, when I was uh, nine years old, I. Uh, I joined the club that uh, that a lot of these uh, these older uh, players were part of. It's called the DSO um, in a, in a small village, uh, like suburb village of uh, of the the Hague, which uh, which is the bigger city in the in the area. Um, started when I was nine playing club soccer, and um, all of that, you know, like the the the. What what I remember from that is that I was a, a lot less dependent on my parents um, to to be part of that club. I uh, rode my bike to the other side of town uh, to practice uh, a few times a week, play my games in the weekend. Um, uh, for ten months out of the year, I played for that club for three years, and when I was uh, thirteen, we moved to. Um, uh, to the Hague, which was the bigger city, and that's uh, when I joined my club, my club uh, Quick, um, which uh, is one of uh, the many clubs in uh, in my in in the, in, the, in the Hague, which is also the city where I was born. Um, in the Hague, uh, pretty much every neighborhood has an uh, as a as a soccer club. Um, uh, I think the Hague and surrounding areas has about 50 clubs, uh, which play in uh, in like local and regional competitions, which are all under the uh, under the the umbrella of uh, of the KNVB, the the Royal Dutch Football Federation. And that's uh, what's, what's, what's yes. the population of that area? If there's 50 clubs there, 
What's the um, The Hague is a city of about 700. It, it was 700,000. I think it's about 800, 850 probably right now, something like that. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the, uh, the population of that area. Um, so our, our club, my club Quick, had, um, let me see, uh, 1,500 members. I would say that probably more than half of it uh, were uh, youth members. And then there's uh, adult members as well. So the youth plays on Saturdays and the adults play on Sunday. So that's uh, yeah, that's how I grew up playing for that uh, for 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 Dso and then for Quick and I joined the club when I was 13, as I said, and um, continued to play for the same club until I was 29 years old uh, and and moved to the U.S. I want to go back to what you said. You said that you were less dependent on your parents and you would ride your bike and 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 do a lot of the stuff on your own. But does that mean you also didn't rely on your parents for for paying for you to be part of that? that club or were the yes, dues no, just... my, yeah no my, my parents did pay oh excuse me to jump in there but uh no my parents did they pay a contribution but the contribution was uh, 150 guilders a year uh obviously the you know that that's that's hard to compare with uh with the thousands of dollars that uh, that kids pay um when you become a member of a club here in uh in southern california and another thing you mentioned too is that you mentioned that there was youth members and adult members, and that you played for the club until you were 29 years old. Mm-hmm. That's strange to me because that that type of environment doesn't really exist here in the United States. It's like it's all youth soccer, and you just pay to basically receive coaching, and that's it. You get you go to practice, and then you go home, and you don't really get anything extra from your team or from your club. Um, but it sounds like this is more of like a like an all inclusive type thing was there was there more stuff going on at, at at quick or at the other clubs um yes well pretty much every club has uh, as youth and adults um that's it, it and i always bring that up because it's it's the um uh the soccer clubs are much more than just the soccer club it's there there's a big social factor to it because each club is not just there for elite players, but it's 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 a it's a system where recreational and competitive exist uh, alongside. Uh, in each age group, you have, have uh, teams that are more recreational, uh, and but it doesn't mean that when you start as a recreational player that you can develop into uh, an uh, an elite player. So one of the selection players that plays on the higher level. Um, so our club, quick. Um, with their with their their uh, youth teams, pretty much in each age cat- category, they play uh, at the top level in the in the country. But they have a second team, a third team, a fourth team, a fifth team um, in in each age group. So it's um, yeah, the system is is completely different. Um, and yeah, in my case, when I was uh, 16, 17, yeah, 16, I played my first game with, with the first team. So when you're, when you're a talented player and you are um, 16, 17, 18 years old, the first team coach comes to watch the, the youth teams on Saturday and he can then say, hey, you come and play for, you know, come, you're, you're on the bench tomorrow with the first team or, or with the second team, you know, the, the, with the adults. So that, that provides a pathway for you to continue to grow as a player. What, what do you think that 
you were doing at age 16 that caught the attention of the first team coach? Because it sounds like there's a lot of teams in this in this club and a lot of teams in your city. So for you at 16 years old to debut on the first team, that's that, that seems like quite an accomplishment. So what do you think you were doing different or better? Uh, or- I was just one of the players that played in the in the in the top uh, youth teams, and uh, the um, the I wasn't the only one. Like there's there's there was more players on my team that that got the opportunity to train or to play, um, you know, be on the bench and get a few minutes with the, with the first team, um, and that's um, uh, and, and <laughs> what caught the attention is that is is that we um, my coach was a player of the first team so he 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 saw us day in day out on the on the training field um and he was you know he he coached on saturdays and played on sundays with the first team so he he saw us on a daily basis and knew his play the, our, us really well um so he was like hey okay sasha you got a chance and uh albert spans was another player that 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 uh, that i grew up with and he would he would get the same opportunity and actually, the the two of us uh, continued to play uh, on the first team for many years uh, together. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that I used to play play with at the youth level um, are now still members of that club. So they they still play on a veterans team together. So it's 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 a big part of your social life. Um, these these yeah, they're they're truly community based clubs. Now you said you joined that that club around age thirteen, and mm-hmm. you debuted on the first team at age sixteen, and you were with them until age twenty nine. Yes. When when do you think you realized that that was going to be like, you know, a, a big portion of your life, or that soccer was going to be, yeah, part part of your life forever or or your career. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, did you realize that? I mean, I, I was always crazy for football, so like I, I continued. You know, I, I became member of that club. Um, the um, as I said, my my coach uh, Jos Verkouter was was uh, was also um, a first team uh, player. So you know, it it became a thing for us to to uh, you know on Saturday we played, and then on Sunday we would. You know, when I was younger, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 16 like we would go and watch the first team play on 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 sunday we would travel with the team um in the car or sometimes you could go on a bus and go see the first team play um that that became just so much part of your life that when i um uh when i grew a little bit older um and you know into my 20s i i did i did speak with uh with some other clubs to come and join them um and I, I yeah I I just loved my club because it was you know it was a big part of my uh, of my social life as well, so I I continued to play with with Quick for uh, for a long time and what what was um, another thing that that bo- that bounded me to this club of that was that I um, when I was uh, fifteen the. Um, the 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 youth system within the club people were asking me hey do you want to help out so i started helping out and first started refing some games and um the year after they asked me if i wanted to get involved with coaching so i was 15 16 years old and then became uh, got involved with coaching recreational soccer within within the club so you're coaching younger teams uh, and players 
uh, alongside an, uh, a more veteran coach that uh, that was an experience. You know, he was he was a PE teacher, and I was coaching alongside with him uh, for a few years. Um, then I started coaching uh, like higher, like the, the more competitive teams within the club. And a few years later, my club said, "Hey." Here we pay for your coaching license. Um, we 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 see that you like this. Um, we we want you to uh, to continue to coach within the club. So they paid for my coaching license. So those were all incentives from the club itself that were that that made me want to want to be part of this club for uh, for yeah as as part of my life. And it's not really a, a conscious decision on my end or to uh, to. That I knew, like, hey, I want to do this the rest of my life. No, it was just I, I, I it, it grew on me. It, it, it became, it became part of uh, of who I, uh, who I am. So that's that's how I got involved with um, with playing and coaching. So I was pretty much uh, on the field uh, six, seven days a week. Uh, even though this uh, this isn't uh, a top amateur club, um, which which you would pretty much in the U.S. This would be in uh, you would call that semi-pro, but it's. Um, yeah, for us, everybody on our on our teams had um, at at a job to decide besides trading uh, at least three days out of the week uh, with your with your first with the first team. Um, we would also uh, a, a bunch of the guys would also be coaching youth teams on the days that they that they didn't train, or even on the days that you train, you you would uh, train a team before you would uh, you would start your own practice. Yeah, so man, that, uh, <laughs> that it, it just it, it it seems like it's a huge part of your life. I mean, at age sixteen, you're you're playing for the first team. You're starting to coach. It's in your hometown. I mean, it, it's something that you just you've you've known, you know, since you were a little kid. So moving to the United States had to be like the biggest decision of your life. It seems like. Tell <laughs> tell tell me a little bit about how how that opportunity came about and and your decision to to actually do it. Yeah. So. Um... You know, when I so when I was, let me see. So I just want to jump back real quick. So when I was 16, I was still part of the youth system. I had just made my debut and continued to play with the uh, with the uh, with my youth team. And then uh, when I was 18, I became a full member of the of the first team. So continued to play there for a few years. And when I um, uh, in 1994, um, I came back from vacation and. Uh, went to uh, to our first practice i actually missed a few practices because i went on a trip came back to practice and um, uh, pre-season was going on and i saw an um uh, a new player uh, who was uh, was really good and uh, right after practice we got introduced to myself and this uh, this guy was his name was andrew zemer um happened to be from uh, from northern california and uh, we uh, we became really good friends um uh, andrew spent his uh, his, his honeymoon um, <laughs> in uh, in the Netherlands, um, and during that time he did uh, he did the TC3, which is a KNVB, the first uh, coaching license uh, for the KNVB. Takes <clears throat> that took him uh, five months, and uh, when he uh, when he was done, he he went back to the to the US and said, uh, "Hey Sasha, um, I want you to come and coach in." Um, in our uh, in, in in my soccer camps in Northern California, so uh, the Zima Brothers soccer camps, um, I took that invitation and uh, spent three months in the uh, in the summer of 1995 um, coaching uh, soccer camps, which was something completely new to me. Um, 
but uh, it was uh, yeah great experience. At the same time, uh, Andrew and myself played for an, uh, a USL team called the, the Monterey Bay Jaguars in uh, in Northern California, just uh, just south of uh, Santa Cruz. So that's uh, that was uh, my first summer, um, and to be honest, like. I loved it. it. was It was fantastic experience, but um, it was not a uh, for me um, a, a conscious decision back then. From like, hey, I need to move to the US. I want to live here. I want to play here. Um, I just I really liked it um, being here um, and having the opportunity to uh, to to be in that environment with uh, with young kids um, working. Uh, yeah. Tra- Passing on uh, what what is normal for us in uh, in the Netherlands and uh, um, do that here in California. So that uh, that evolved, came back in 1997, came back in 2000, uh, or actually 1999, and then uh, met uh, met my uh, my wife, um, Luz, um and uh, ended up moving to Southern California in uh, in 2000. And now we've been uh, married for 17 years, been here for a long time. So. It's uh, it was just something that grew on me. It was not directly a conscious decision up until uh, I met uh, I met my wife. That's that's what really not locked me down in uh, in California. And she she's an awesome lady too. I've had a chance to work with her now on. Well, I guess she didn't she didn't uh, she just attended the one in Vegas, but we worked together on the one in uh, in downtown LA. And she she's an amazing lady. So I can understand why, uh, why, why you'd let her lock you down. <laughs> uh, Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it sounds like in the early two thousands is when, uh, you kind of settled in here when you did that. And, and after getting married and, and you've had a couple of stints where you were coming over for summers or, or coaching camps and things like that. When did you start looking or pursuing, um, full-time work in soccer here because i mean obviously if we fast forward you you became the academy director at chivas usa so what happened in between like year 2000 and then when you got hired at chivas usa yeah so yeah good question so um when i when i moved here uh i knew that what i wanted to do was uh, was work in um, in football uh full-time soccer um i actually i remember getting on a flight my first time i flew to the us in 1995 and I started. Uh, I started a diary, and uh, I read <laughs> a few years. A few years ago, I, I went back to read it, and one of the first sentences was that uh, that I uh, I wanted to be part of a soccer revolution in uh, in the United States, see see this sport grow. And so when I ended up moving here in 2000, it was uh, it was something that um, that I knew, like, hey, if I move here, uh, the reason why I came here in the first place was uh, was soccer. Um, so. I also knew uh, in the Netherlands, I, um, I started uh, studying uh, physical education. So I wasn't, uh, uh, I did that, uh, I finished my first year. And uh, then uh, in the Netherlands, I made the choice to, uh, to not continue, even though I was, uh, I, was a, I was a decent student and uh, I really enjoyed the studies, but I ran into uh, another, uh, another uh, opportunity to, uh, to work and uh, so I managed to uh, manage the bar for a uh, bar restaurant for uh, for old, for five years while I was playing soccer at the same time and coaching. So um, I um, once once I moved uh, to the U.S., I knew that if I want to work in soccer, I need to uh, to finish my education. So um, I started coaching 
and I went went to school at the same time. Um, first went to uh, Golden West in uh, in uh, Huntington Beach, did my AA degree. Then I went to uh, to Long Beach, and uh, in Long Beach I uh, got my bachelor's and focused on uh, uh, well in kinesiology and focused on coaching and uh, sports psychology. Um, the uh, at the same time when I was um, when I moved here, I also knew that uh, that if I want to coach, I need to uh, need to get my education going uh, on the uh, on the, for the U.S. licenses. So I thought with my uh, with my TC3 from the KNVB, which is uh, yeah, they're world renowned uh, for the for the coaching education. Um, so I I thought uh, I could uh, you know get into coaching here in the U.S. and take uh, take the next license, which I I thought could be my my C or my B license. But uh, as I uh, in my I said that I was uh, that I played top amateur uh, soccer in uh, in Holland. They would not uh, let me pass any licenses, so I started from the from the start and did my E license, did my D license, um, and then in um, let me see, I was at coaching. Uh, coaching wise, I started. Uh, I coached a bit for a club in Long Beach, um, Long Beach FC. Then I moved uh, while I was at Golden West. I coached a bit. Um, at, um, at a high school in uh, in Huntington Beach, then um, in uh, 19, uh, 2003, I coached with the South Bay Soccer Club, um, and in uh, 2004, I met um, I met Dennis De Kluse at the um, at the airport, um, and Dennis De Kluse ended up being a uh, an influential person in my life because uh, Dennis was. Uh, in uh, LA to set up Chivas USA. Um, so after talking to Dennis in the airport, we stayed in touch. Um, he invited me to come and, uh, and work a clinic at, uh, at the stop up or the, the Home Depot Center back in the days. And um, did that clinic, worked it, uh, worked that clinic with Dennis and uh, Hans Westerhof, who was then the technical director for, uh, for Chivas USA when st- setting up that club. Um, uh, I worked the clinic with them. They liked the way I coached, and they uh, f- asked me for a few more of these clinics, and that uh, that evolved into uh, becoming part of uh, of the um, the academy that the, that they were setting up, which was at first a um, more like recreational kind of uh, uh, academy, and that uh, pretty soon after that we uh, we started an, uh, a U18 team, or actually it was more yeah 18 19. And um, started preparing that team. We trained with them for uh, for like half a year before we took them to the Copa Saprissa in uh, in uh, Costa Rica. And uh, we actually uh, played really good football there. So um, played some uh, some world renowned teams. And uh, yeah, from there it all started rolling. Um, Dennis uh, stayed with Chivas USA for three more years. We worked uh, very well together. Um, Ended up, uh, Dennis ended up uh, getting an offer from Tigres in Mexico uh, to become the youth uh, youth director at uh, at that club in Monterrey. Uh, he went there, and then I ended up being uh, becoming uh, uh, besides being the the U18 uh, coach, also becoming the manager for the for the youth development uh, system. So, um, yeah, that uh, that continued for uh, for <laughs> for a lot of years. I uh, I've always been a uh, yeah pretty loyal. Uh, 
loyal uh, person. And um, uh, I worked with Chivas USA from 2005 until 2015, until the club uh, didn't uh, didn't exist anymore. Um, had a little break of uh, of a year in uh, in 2012, but uh, they they brought me back to the club, and that's uh, that's uh, where I stayed until the end. And uh, we had um, yeah, the last uh, last two and a half years were. Uh, Pretty, uh, uh, pretty good. Pretty exceptional. Uh, put together an, a good, uh, good group of people, uh, staff. We had great players and uh, stayed uh, competitive all the way until uh, until our last uh, last games. So that's pretty much how I ended up uh, be, becoming involved full time in uh, in soccer. And, and it sounds like you just happened to. I don't. I, I hate to use this word, but get lucky and meet Dennis just randomly at the airport. Is that is that right 100 percent. that's, that's so uh, that's, awesome hey that's how life goes sometimes you gotta you know things things roll and that's how i tell people more often like i i just kept on uh, kept on following the ball just uh it, it rolled in front of me and i uh i just uh you know it it bounce bounces around and you you know you you yeah sometimes you gotta be i, I guess i'm a pretty opportunistic person and Things, uh, um, yeah, sometimes go your way, and uh, but when the opportunity is there, you gotta, uh, yeah, you still have to maneuver the ball in a way that it's uh, that it's uh, it goes your way. So, it's um, yeah, it was it was it's a crazy story that I did meet Dennis in the airport, and we're still actually still working together right now. So it's uh, yeah, Dennis has become a very good friend. It's uh, it's been a crazy. Yeah, maybe we can get to this in a second, but maybe just a short answer. Is Dennis part of the reason that you're now working with the Mexican Federation? Is that the connection to 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 that as well? Yeah, Dennis is the director of uh, of he's a general general director for uh, the Mexican uh, Youth Development System. So yeah, that's oh. why I'm uh, why I'm there. <laughs> All because you met him in the airport. That's so awesome, Sasha. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, no. <laughs> um, I I want to go back now, and and you mentioned that the last you know two and a half years or so at, at Chivas USA were were very competitive years, very special years. Um, and I'm sure that most of the people that are listening to this podcast, obviously, it's the three four three podcast. They're all familiar with Brian Kleiben. Um, why? Why did you hire Brian to to come into Chivas USA? What, what was that decision making process like? Yeah, it's 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 crazy because I remember very well when I um, uh, when I started. Um, I, I mentioned earlier we we started the U nineteen U eighteen team with Chivas USA. Um, two thousand by the end of two thousand five. Uh, 2006. Then uh, that team. After we went to the Copa Saprissa, we went to um, uh, we and we we knew we had to enroll that team uh, in a league to uh, because we knew we had a good group of players there. But it just just training is not good enough, and the league that uh, that was out here was would not allow us to play in that league. Um, Coast Soccer League back in the days. Um, so we decided to, uh, to enroll this team in a, in a semi-pro adult, adult league in, uh, in LA, uh, it was LA, LA soccer league, um, out of, uh, out of Compton. We, uh, we played all of our games in Bell Gardens. Um, and, um, so through that, that period we were, we were training, uh, we were playing our games in Bell Gardens, but we would also, also play some friendly games every once in a while. And that's when I first met uh, met uh, Brian, um, and he, from the beginning, when I first met him, 
he he put together some really good teams. Um, he was with uh, with team team from Orange. I think it was Rage, um, and um, I I could t- you like he had, he had charisma, and at the other at the other hand, he was also uh, the way he um, he did his. Uh, I always remember he did, the way he did his warm ups. He had he had exercises during his warm up that that we would use in uh, in uh, in practices, and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I I I hadn't seen that how, how, that people uh, were using those exercises in the in in warm ups, but uh, he uh, he did that, and it was uh, you know he looked he looked organized um, and made a good impression. So throughout the years, we continued to uh, to play these friendlies every once in a while, and in uh, as I said in 2012. Um, I had an, uh, a break with, uh, with Chivas USA. Uh, I was, uh, because some other people, uh, came in and, uh, and took over, uh, the, the youth development system. So, uh, during that same period, I was offered a job with, uh, with us club soccer, where I became the regional manager for Southern California. So I, you know, part of my job was to, uh, to expand my, uh, my network, um, and, uh, yeah, get to know people in the uh, in the in the area, uh, and you know, obviously, you then go back to uh, to people you already know a bit to uh, to 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 expand that uh, that relationship, and also maybe get to know some other people. So um, through that um, through that period, I uh, I started uh, I had meeting with uh, with Brian uh, and with Gary, and um that happened to be i think it was kansas city during this during the uh, nscaa convention um actually no we before that we already talked a few times but during the nscaa convention uh we sat together and um that's when i knew that i was uh, i was going to have an opportunity to come back to uh, to chivas and i knew that brian had, uh, had developed um a, a really uh, uh, exceptional program uh, that he was doing really good um, as a coach, um, and uh, that he also had a very good group of players. So um, we uh, we ended up uh, talking at the NSCAA convention, and uh, um, yeah, I just mentioned with him that uh, that if there was an opportunity uh, with uh, with a prof- with the MLS club, if he would be interested. So that's where we uh, where we started the conversation and. Um, Soon after, I did get. Uh, I was hired to uh, to become the director of uh, of Chivas again, at the youth development level. And um, yeah, when I asked Brian if he wanted to uh, to come and work for us, he was uh, he jumped on it. And um, that's uh, yeah, he's 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 continued to do uh, to do good things. Um, when one of the things what I did when I uh, when I brought him in was like, hey Brian, if you if you want to become uh, you know take his ambition was was clear from the start that he wanted wants to go to the top level, um, but uh, he I also asked him what uh, what coaching licenses he had, and he was uh, back then he had only his D license, so for him to to coach in the development academy and go to a higher level, um, I made it clear that uh, that he uh, that I would love to help him. Uh, go to that next level, but he also needed to uh, to get uh, get going with his coaching licenses. So that's uh, that's what we did, and uh, he's uh, he's been uh, been taking his courses ever since. And um, yeah, right now with the Galaxy, he's uh, he's su- successful. His teams are uh, are developing well. His players are are uh, are doing uh, doing excellent. So um, yeah, I know that all of the people that uh, that listen to uh, to uh, listen and read the three four three post. Um, follow Brian closely so that's uh 
they they're very well aware what uh, what he's doing. Yeah, and I I think uh, every time that I've talked to Gary about um, about doing something with you, he he's always like made it clear to, to mention that um, that yeah, you you were the one responsible for for giving Brian that opportunity at Chivas, and and I think Brian's I I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I think this is true that he's very thankful for that opportunity. Um, and they recognized that, that that was a big moment for, for him. So, um, Hey, Brian and I are still good friends. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we talk to each other quite a bit. So it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I was happy that he became part of our organization and, and, uh, and the other way around. So it's, uh, it's, it's been good. Okay. So your time at Chivas, I mean, it was, sounds like it was about 10 years. Um, and and now you're you're moved on and, and you're working uh as an international scout for the Mexican Federation. Um you have a, a, a ton of experience, international experience coming from Holland and, and obviously taking your teams um all over the world and, and, and whatnot. But uh you're obviously able to to recognize talent at the youth level. I'm curious though, how how do you determine if that will translate to the professional games you're you're a youth scout um or how how do you determine if a player you know that's playing in southern california how how do you determine if that will translate to the international game because if you're going to take a kid from southern california or from anywhere in the world and put them on the on the world stage what what are some of the things that you're looking for i guess um yeah, like like to determine first, like to determine that they're gonna make it at the at at the world stage is 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 very difficult. Um, like I I think looking at at players that um, that have made it um, that go far, uh, like often it's it's you know it's it's a big it's a combination of the of the aspects of that make a player. You know, technique, the 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 tactical insights, the um, personality. Uh, and you know, speed, handling speed, and 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 you know the, the, the how fast the player is in, in general. Um, but I think what what really really um, in the end is the thing that that makes the player is his personality. Um, you know how can how can you handle yourself in certain situations? You know, you how how, how strong are you mentally? Because um, everybody's going to run into uh, into roadblocks, and you know how do you handle these roadblocks? That is that is something um, that you can't, you know, it, it, that is hard to um, to see at uh, at first. Um, but you know, I, I just think a very good example of uh, of a player that uh, that has made it um, is uh, Jorge Villavania, who is now with uh, you know he won he was with Chivas for a long time. Then went to Portland, won the championship over there, and then they got the opportunity to go to Santos, where he's now is now playing uh, in his second year, I think. But um, he also recently was called up to the U.S. national team. But you know, Jorge was was a good player. Um, but what's what made made him made him uh, stand out is really his mentality and his and his willingness to work his butt off no matter no matter what and to continue to believe in himself. Um, so looking at players in, in Southern California uh, or in, in the U.S. or anywhere in general, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, of, of talented players. Um, in the end, like, you know, 
these talented players must be put in an environment where they can continue to develop. And I think that is that is an, uh, an issue. Um, if you look at the clubs in uh, in our area, not not every club makes the decision to uh, to put to think for the players' development. Um, and and I think you know if you talk about look, thinking about the players' development, if a player is outstanding in his age group and he's continuing to um, uh, to be now, every week, the best player and scoring goals and scoring goals and doing really good for his club, um, then the, the, the club needs to make that decision to put the player under, under a higher pressure. So you would always need to move that player up to a, to a higher age group in order for him to continue to develop. Now, if I as a scout now come and see a player that's too good for his age group and plays, plays up an age group or two age groups, and still is able to uh, to excel, then you know, like, okay, hey, this player is is special. Let's let's see if the uh, if if he can fit in um, uh, with with an uh, in a training camp uh, for for a national team, and see. You know, then then you're going to compare with with players that are in that training pool or in that pool of players already. If they need players in that position, um, so that's you know, obviously that's that's an. Uh, uh, yeah, Mexico is a big, big country with a lot of very good players already. So the the process of uh, of bringing in players from here to to there is uh, it's it's not going to be a, a, a shipload of players. It's uh, it's it's really pick and choose and see which which players uh, they need over there um, and uh, how they how the players from here would would fit in. So yeah, that's a long answer to uh, to your. Uh, to your question it's a good answer though I'm, I'm curious what's the most difficult part of your job as a international scout um <laughs> that i'm scouting an area that's really really big and uh and that you uh, you know that i work here um by myself so uh, maintaining an um uh, uh you know it's it's it, what is really important is just to maintain good relationships and uh, you know, see if there's uh, you get um, uh, you know you need a referral system, and that is um, <clears throat> if you uh, if you look at, um, at at how Mexico works with their with their scouting system within the in uh, in the country um, in Mexico, like they have one scouting coordinator for the for the federation that just works really close with the professional scouting systems of the clubs and the clubs are the ones the professional clubs in mexico are the ones that have um each club has as professional scouts that uh, have their hands on the the local and regional markets um and that's where um uh, now obviously the 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 coaches for the for the 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 national teams in mexico are also involved with the with the scouting process, but it's it's about uh, having that relation that relationships with the uh, with the clubs, and the clubs uh, referring the players uh, to the uh, to the national teams and having that ongo- ongoing conversations. Okay, well, how how does a player uh, you know how how does he train within his own club and how how can he handle uh, certain certain situations? Um, yeah, it's it's really important to maintain those relationships and uh, um, yeah speak the uh, so you're you're constantly informed about about those players so on my end that's that's my biggest biggest challenge here in the in the united states 
Sasha, I'm going to ask you a, a difficult question, and, and you can uh, decline to answer if you want. But you're obviously you're from Holland. You've spent a lot of time in the United States, but you also scout for Mexico. Who who do you want to see succeed the most? Um, who I want to succeed see succeed the most um, as a fan or as a professional? Both, both. <laughs> um, as a fan, <laughs> Holland. <laughs> you know, that's that's my, that's my country. I, I'm uh, like you know, and and that and that's that is also my question. Like, if you if you that that's that's an, uh, that's that relates well to the other part of the question. I think, um, you know, my, my answer to that to your to your question is Holland because that's where where I'm from and that's where where I um, uh, what what touches my heart. You know, when when I think my you know growing up as a as as a kid in the Netherlands, watching that team play, um, you know, now with my own family living here in the U.S. Now my kids love the Dutch national team. That's because that's my you know that's my country and that's that's where where I grew up. Um, that that also relates to my relationship right now between between uh, the U.S. and uh, and and Mexico, like the the, the national teams. I. Um, I really like the Mexican football culture. I love the the Mexico as a country, but I love the U.S. as a country as well. I got my you know my my closest uh, some of my closest friends are are Americans. Uh, the reason why I came to this country is is because of American um, soccer, and um, I really I'm I'm looking you know I I, I was offered a job by 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 Mexico. Um, I you know I didn't, I didn't the US did not offer me that uh, that job so it's um looking at it from a purely uh, the uh, the Mexican uh, or from from the professional perspective is yeah obviously I work for Mexico so right now I want Mexico to succeed in the in the past I've had I've had people on and I've asked them the question do you think the United States can win a world cup and I've never even I've never thought about asking this but do you think Mexico can win a world cup you think that's possible? Yes. It's, are, it, it, yeah, hundred percent. What are some things that make you think that? I, I think Mexico has an uh, has an unbelievable uh, football culture um, and has uh, has very uh, very uh, uh, yeah a lot of talent. And I think the uh, the Mexican Federation works in a way that is uh, is very uh, very effective. Uh, you know, obviously, I know that 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 uh, at the, so far at, they've been more successful at the youth level, but they were they were able to to win an uh, an Olympic title um, not too not too long ago. So um, yeah, I think anything is possible. Um, Portugal winning the 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 the, the Euro Cup this year, uh, while they were, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, they didn't play uh, very good games. I think it's uh, you know that's an that's an example that that some teams that uh, you know can uh, can can win. There's 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 always surprises. So yeah, uh, I, 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 okay, I can't even get started on Portugal. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we have a, we have about ten minutes left, and I, I want to make sure we get to talking about uh, home field advantage and and some of the other stuff that you're that you have on your plate right now. And, and, and one of the things I guess we can transition to is I love this tagline that you have. Um, actually, I think it's the name of the article that I, that I referenced earlier. Um, but it is um, social entrepreneurship in youth soccer. 
And, and I, I think that's a, a good segue into, into talking about um, home field advantage and, and, and what the idea is behind that. So tell us a little bit about, about home field advantage or HFA, because I think that's how a lot of people will see it kind of tagged in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, so, yeah, home field advantage is really a, a project that that we set up with our with our company. Um, so after I was done with Chivas, uh, I, I I decided to uh, to go uh, to become an entrepreneur. Um, and the company that we started is called the, is called Hub uh, Humans Unlocking Potential, and we focus on uh, impact projects and impact entrepreneurship and. Um, uh, one of the projects that we started ourselves is uh, is the nonprofit organization called uh, Home Field Advantage HFA. Um, what now? If you you know throughout the, the the course of our talk today, you you can tell that I'm I'm really um, uh, uh, motivated um, or passionate, even better word, um, to uh, about local and uh, and regional soccer um, and and. Um, uh, creating a better environment uh, where where people where where you can can develop uh, where everybody can uh, can get the the same kind of opportunities. So home field advantage is an is an effort just to do that. Um, we want um, so it's it's a leadership program for high school students. So our our program um, our, we we provide the the stu- high school students with the, with the coaching education. They um, we we will uh, work. We will give them the, uh, the USSF F license, which is an introductory course to coaching. But at the same time, we'll take them out to the uh, to the field, have them run some sessions, um, and um, a part of the, the the program is also an um, a community building program where we where we make the kids aware of uh, of the importance of uh, of, of role models uh, and the importance of of healthy living. Um, of bringing communities together, uh, and we feel that uh, that sports and the sport of soccer uh, can play uh, play an important role in that. Um, so that's uh, that's what uh, we also realize that coaching is something uh, that uh, that you only get better at by doing it. So it's it's an it's an experience uh, based thing. So what we do um, after we give the kids, uh, the high school kids, and uh, uh, the co- coaching license. Is that we give uh, that we organize um, after-school programs at elementary schools in their own neighborhoods, uh, where they go out and uh, and run after-school programs. So that's where they get the experience of uh, running a curriculum that we provide for them, uh, where they uh, become role models models for younger kids, where they stand in front of a group and truly uh, get some experience um, as um, as a coach and. Uh, become become leaders in their in their own neighborhoods. Um, so, home field advantage can uh, we can we can work either with schools, but it's could also, we could also work with clubs or with with organizations um, that run after school programs in cities or even uh, like AYSO programs uh, where we can uh, provide coaching education for the older players. Um, yeah, it's um, we 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 just got started uh, with the program. We were rewarded an five hundred one c three, so nonprofit status, um, and uh, we uh, we we start building the program uh, from uh, from now on. And I I got to know about your uh, passion for community 
in a, in a different way, I guess, but working with, with home field advantage on our last event that we did in, in downtown Los Angeles, we called it the clubhouse. Talk a little bit about just real quick, uh, the idea behind that and, and what we provided there. Yeah. So the clubhouse was, uh, was something that we, uh, that, that, that I've always had in the back of my mind because, uh, the club structure in, in Europe, um, as I said, every neighborhood has a club, um, and every, at, at every club you have, you have your fields, but where people get together before a game starts and where they get together after the game is over is the clubhouse. And that is something that's, uh, that's completely uh, non-existing in uh, U.S. soccer. So um, we wanted to, to create that kind of environment. Um, and, um, in, in a, and the reason why is because there's our soccer community and our coaching community is, uh, is, is big in Southern California. And everybody knows each other. Uh, a little bit um, by shaking each other's hands before a game and by shaking each other's hand after a game. And sometimes here and there, you'll have an opportunity to talk to somebody in your, in your, your coaching community, but it's never intentional. So during the, uh, the NSCA convention, um, we, uh, we partnered up with, uh, with three, four, three, uh, as Gary and I have, uh, have, have are both passionate about uh, developing the, uh, the, the soccer community. Um, we spoke for, uh, for a while and then, uh, decided to, uh, to bring together the, uh, the soccer community at, uh, at an event that we called the clubhouse. Um, and it's, it was, uh, what we tried to do is in an, in a social unpressured situation, bring up a few topics. Um, some, so we, we had some people speak. Um, I spoke, spoke on beha- behalf of, uh, home field advantage. Gary spoke on behalf of three, four, three. And we had uh, Benjamin Zemer from NorCal Premier to give us some insight on how uh, NorCal Premier has developed into one of the top leagues in the country uh, that is focused on on regional development of the game. So um, yeah, the clubhouse was uh, was was uh, the first version was unique because it's uh, it was an, uh, an uh, pretty much an, an opportunity to introduce our companies um, at the at the nationwide level, but. Um, we feel that uh, that these clubhouse events are um, also could serve uh, within our own region. So the plan is to uh, to to organize um, three uh, events a year within within the region of Southern California to and as an effort to uh, to bring together the uh, the decision makers and uh, people in uh, uh, at the, at the coaching level in uh, in uh, in our area. So that's. Um, we would uh, we would look to uh, to do an event in the in the preseason, which we would call the preseason. We would have an uh, one in the in in January, which we would call the uh, the New Year's reception, and we would do a season season evaluation in uh, in May or June. And, and obviously, you guys are you guys have heard Sasha talk about community. He's also a family man, and he, he warned me ahead of time that that today is uh, today's Valentine's Day, and, and he has a date with his daughter at school. So he, he's he's <laughs> he's pressed on time right now. But real quick before you go, Sasha, I want you to tell people where they can find more about um, humans unlocking potential on Home Field Advantage. Are you guys on social media, or or where, where can people connect with you guys? Yeah, so we have our uh, with. Uh... Uh, at a home field advantage we have our uh, our websites called hfa uh de- hfa-sports.com yeah hfa-sports.com and uh um hub humans unlocking potential is at um, www the hub 
hup.com. Okay. And, and then on social media, we're on social media with, uh, with, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, uh, with, uh, with both organizations. Okay. And I will, uh, I'll provide links to all that in the, uh, in the show notes. So you guys can find those on 343coaching.com. Just click on the audio tab and you can find everything there. Sasha, thank you so much for joining me. We, we went 30 minutes past the time I, I had told you it was going to be. So I appreciate you making time for us. Hey, John, it was, uh, was more than a pleasure. Really, uh, really enjoyed uh, meeting you earlier uh, last year and uh, looking, uh, looking forward to, uh, to continue to do things together. So thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me. Of course, of course. All right. Get to your daughter. I know that's important for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thanks. We'll talk soon, yeah? Thanks, okay. John. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And thank you for Sasha for coming on the show. And just a reminder, you guys can find all of the other episodes of the 343 Podcast on 343coaching.com. That's the number three, number four, number three, coaching.com. And just click on the audio tab in the upper right corner. And while you're there, you can also check out one of our coaching programs. We have a free and a premium course. And I highly suggest that you check those out. Okay. With that, we will catch you guys on the next episode of the 343 Podcast. As always, thank you for listening and goodbye.